Welcome back, friends. Lost Garf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about everything that has to do with Kirby from the beginning to the present. And this podcast is going to be going for a couple years. So, oh man, we're going to talk about so much stuff. I'm so excited. Today's episode, we're going to talk about Kirby's Right Back at you, episode 28. If you have any comments about that episode or anything in general, you can comment on the YouTube version of the podcast or send a message to at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. Now, before we get to the episode, let's talk about current news, and a lot of it is just me being jealous of Japan. <laughs> First up is the Kirby Cafe. It is now officially open. It opened on the 12th of December, and oh man, there's so many pictures of it. Like, you get pictures of the menu, the merchandise they're going to sell, just the layout and everything. There's a big wispy woods in there. There's a certificate from freaking uh, Chef Kawasaki on there. There's so much cool stuff. There's also pictures of Masahiro Sakurai and Makito. Uh, Makiko Omoto at the grand opening of the sh- of the the cafe, which is awesome, and I just oh man, I want to go there. I want to go for like a month, not possible, but I want to go there for at least like a week, be around Tokyo because it's in Tokyo, and just go there every day and order a new thing. I really want to go there and buy all the merch, which means I need a lot of money. <laughs> but oh, I want to go there someday, and I'm glad because it's a permanent installment, which means yes. You can go there someday. That's the exciting thing. And if it's popular enough, who knows? Maybe they'll add more. Because right now it's only Tokyo, Japan. They could always put in Osaka again in other places. Other news is more Japan stuff. That is, there's a pop-up store in Japan called Playful Kirby. It has some cute clothes and plushies you can buy. It's only been there from the 16th of December to the 26th. But if you know any good importers, maybe they can get you some of that stuff. There's another product that I don't really know what it is. But it's called Kirby Smooth Cream. And it's really cute, but I have no idea what it is. Is this lotion? I'm not sure. And the last news is, for Kirby in Japan is there's going to be more plushies being sold in the arcades. Every month there's new Kirby plushies in the arcades, and I'm jealous. This time it's going to be multicolored Kirbys with multiple emotions, and jealous. Just jealous. Other news is the birthday of the legendary Satoru Iwata was on the 6th of December. He would be 60 today if he had not died of cancer. Very sad. Someday we will do an episode on his life. He was a founding member of HAL. He became a president of HAL as well. He's the one who rescued them from debt, as you, we've mentioned many times in the history of HAL in the gaming episodes of the podcast. He also became, of course, the president of Nintendo, and he was there for the greatest high in the Wii and the greatest low in the Wii U. He was also instrumental in building the Nintendo Switch, and sadly, he died before he could see its success. That's very unfortunate. But he just was a big part of it, and it was his dream to see Nintendo return to form. And it did, just after he died. It's the sad part of it. He didn't get to see it. And the last bit of news is the one-year anniversary of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, also known as Sakurai's newest Kirby game, pretty much. It came out on the 7th of December, the day after Satoru Iwata's birthday. So Ultimate was Iwata's final mission for Sakurai, if you did not know that. His final job that he gave Sakurai was Smash. And that's why Sakurai puts so much work and effort into it. It is a passion project for him for multiple reasons, and that's one of them. And it's been a heck of a good job well done. So well done to Sakurai on that. Oh, one bit of news that's for us is, in case you missed it, last episode was us covering Kirby's Dream Course. The numbering on the game episodes is separate from the anime episode, so it could get lost in the mix. But check it out if you're interested to know everything there is to know about Kirby's Dream Course. I'm talking about everything. I went through every detail I could find about Kirby's Dream Course. It's worth a listen. And the next game we'll be covering is Kirby's Dream Land 2. So now let's talk about today's episode. Episode 28 is named Labor Days in the US. It was titled Kyufu no DDD Factory uh, or DDD Factory of uh, Terror. 
in Japan. Air date, uh, 4-20-2002 in Japan, and December 7th, 2002 in the U.S. The episode starts with a shot of nature, and then we see Tiff and Professor Curio walking and talking. She wonders how his research is coming along, and he says he still has a lot to do. Tiff says sounds like he's working too hard, and that there's more to life than just work, which Professor Curio says she's right, and then we see Kirby and Tuff walking and running and playing together in the background. Very cute. We then cut to see King Dedede's castle, where his newest summon brings in lots of machinery. King Dedede complains, but is told by the salesman that his monster is a starter kit. It's a starter kit for making his monster. Escargoon complains that there is some assembly required, and the salesman says, yes, but they can trick the Cappies into building it for them, and King Dedede just laughs about it. So there's some hints as to what the setup to the episode is going to be, and that is, Tiff talking about not just working all your life, and then King is going to be pushing something on the Cappies, some sort of work. So how will this go? So after the awesome opener, we see Waddle Dee's murder Wispy Woods. It's not actually Wispy Woods. The location they're cutting down will be revealed soon, but they're cutting down a bunch of trees, and they're building something. And so while they're doing this, the Cappies come in mass, and they come and watch, and they ask Tiff what it might be. And Tiff thinks it might be a factory. And she explains to everyone what a factory is. The Cappies don't know what a factory is. They're a little too country bumpkin. They're just a little too bumpkin at times, and this is one of those times. King Dedede then shows up and tells them that they'll be joining the Industrial Revolution soon, so everyone's going to work at the factory tomorrow morning when the siren goes off. Everyone's actually really interested in this, which makes sense because they just live just these kind of boring lives in this town. I need to quote the line from Escargoon here because four kids writing is kind of amazing at times, and here's what it is. That's right, you backwards bumpkins. It's time to put down your sewing needles, get your heads out of your butter churns, and say howdy to the 21st century. Just wow sometimes with this writing. So they're also given uniforms as well, and they look like prison uniforms. That's what Tiff says. But everyone loves it except Tiff, of course. Even the kids in Kirby are excited to do this job. So King Diddy tells them they'll be paid in appliances, because that's what they ask, like, what are we going to get for this? And that'll be like washing machines and self-cleaning microwaves and things like that. And everyone's really excited. And they ask when the factory will be completed. And King Dedede says, tomorrow morning, which is wow. Tiff doesn't trust any of this because she never should. And she's right. But Kirby and Tuff are looking forward to the job. The next morning, the factory is complete. We see a bunch of cabbage just be surprised and shocked by this. They're like, whoa, it's built and it's huge. And it's a smoke factory. You see Cerebrum and Lady Likes view of it. And it's from the castle and it's just big. And it's actually in the middle of Cappy Town. Just right there in the middle. And here's the thing. The Waddle Dee army is amazing. They cut down an entire forest. They built a factory in a day. A day? But King Dedede wants to use the Cappies for some reason. And the only reasoning I can give for this is that King Dedede just wants to torment the Cappies. He wants to make them do the work instead of his Waddles because he likes making them miserable. And the thing is with this factory is it's already billowing smoke all over the place. And Tiff doesn't like it, but she's the only one that's not sure about it. Tuff is excited, and then the sirens go off, and everyone rushes to the factory. Everyone's already in uniforms, and it's just, wow. We see the inside of the factory, there's a bunch of cogs and gears going on in there. There's assembly lines, pistons, all the stuff that just says factory. It's all in there. So the Cappies line up at the assembly line belts, and they get to work. They tighten bolts and hammer other things, and we then watch the Cappies mindlessly work out on the machines. Kirby, Tuff, Falala, and Falalo join in on the fun, too. And of course, it's, it's cute watching Kirby work. Tiff can't believe this is happening, though, and protests that child labor is against the law. But Escargoon and King Dedede don't care. Uh, what I'm surprised is she doesn't go over to Chief Bookham 
and say that to him so he'd care, but she doesn't do that. And since no one cares, she's not too happy about the situation. We then watch the cabbies work, and they work, and they work. And then we see the black smoke from the factory grow even larger, and larger to the point that Sir Ibram Lady Light start coughing from the castle. That's how big the clouds are getting. That's a lot of smoke. We watch the cabbies work even more, and you see that they're getting hypnotized by the work. Their eyes, usually black, are now going gray, which is so kind of disturbing for the kids to see, I'm sure. But also the kids are getting mesmerized by the work as well. Tiff tries to get them to go to lunch, and Tuff talks like a zombie. He doesn't want to go eat, he's just too busy working. And the cappies start mentioning hunger, though, and Tiff says they need a lunch break. But instead of a lunch break, Escargoon and King Dedede send in robots to feed them lunch while they work. And so they feed them corn and soup while they work. Kirby's working and noticing everyone else getting food but him, so he starts flipping out. And so a bunch of robots converge on Kirby and they throw everything into his mouth. They throw a bunch of corn into his mouth, they throw soup into his mouth with the dishes, they're throwing teacups in there. They're just throwing everything into Kirby's mouth to the point that one robot gets its hand stuck in Kirby's mouth and they all short circuit and explode. Oops! Kirby then, unconscious, gets pulled down the assembly line because he got blown onto it and he goes into a chute, which makes him go into a set of gears which starts squeezing and crushing Kirby. And Kirby just does not look like he's very happy with the situation, because of course not! And I think this counts as a baby beating, so we should put that on the counter. Baby beating one for this episode, and overall, holy crap, I don't even know how many beatings Kirby's had at this point. But jeez, Kirby's taking it rough. Tiff tries to go to Escargoon to stop the factory, but he's not going to stop it, they got a quota to fill. And King Dedede, of course, just laughs it off. So Kirby's unconsciously rolling down the assembly line of machinery, and he almost gets impaled, he almost gets sliced to pieces, but luckily the machinery just keeps missing Kirby. Which is, of course, good news. Tiff, tired of trying to reason with Escargoon, takes matters into her own hands, and she stops the factory herself by pulling a lever. The factory stops, and the cappies stop moving like they're part of the factory, which is so creepy, and Kirby rolls out of the gears. He's hurt, but ultimately okay. So here's a did-you-know moment. Something interesting about the whole factory is that it's all of reference to Charlie Chaplin's movie Modern Times. This is a comedy film from 1936 about factories and industrialization. In it, Charlie Chaplin's working, and while he's working on the, on, the, on the line, a machine comes over and feeds him, just like the cappies get fed. It feeds him soup, it feeds him corn, and it's in the same kind of way in this movie as it is in the, in the show. He also gets stuck in the gears as well, and he's just getting rolled around by the gears just like Kirby is. So that is a direct referencing there from the anime to just an old cartoon, not cartoon, an old movie from, doing the math, 1936 to, what, 2002, that is a number I can't math correctly right now, uh, like 70 years, less than 70 years, uh, 60, 66 years, yeah, 66 years, did the math wrong, 64 years, so this 64-year-old reference, holy crap at that. So, Tiff tries to convince everyone to stop working after what's happened, but they're hypnotized in, in their worker state, and they say they enjoy the work, and it's more fun than their usual stuff. Kawasaki's enjoying it, the mayor's enjoying it, everyone's liking the work, but they talk like zombies. In the end, though, Kirby and Tiff leave the factory, and Tiff just is discouraged. She couldn't stop the factory. We then see the shift is over, and everyone leaves with appliances. Tuff comes home with a vacuum and a fan. Cerebrum enjoys the fan, because it's nice wind there. And Lady Like enjoys the vacuum. She says she might start cleaning more often because of it. Tiff tries to convince her dad to regulate the factory, but Tuff says the factory is great, so he doesn't do anything. 
We then see a night crew gets called into the factory because they want to work the factory day and night. And in the rain, Tiff tries to protest the terrible working conditions and gets a tomato in the face from the Cappies. Tiff is even more discouraged. She sees Professor Curio is observing the factory and she goes to him and asks if he understands what she's trying to do. And he says he does, but he tells her it's pointless because telling the truth is a very lonely business, and especially when people don't want to hear it. But he's more concerned with the rain, and you can see why. The water's black. Tiff takes a sample of the water and tests it at home with her chemistry set. Yep, Tiff has a chemistry set. And she sees that the rainwater is polluted and goes out to the nature we saw earlier in the episode, like at the start, and it's all black and wilting. Everything's being destroyed by the rain. And Tiff is just devastated by destruction. Like, she's on her knees, just devastated. And in the Japanese version, she says it will be a silent spring. This is a reference to a book named Silent Spring, which is about the detrimental effects of pollution on the environment. So wow, Japan is really hitting the kids with the environmental stuff. Just Captain Planet up in here. Wow. And this is, of course, one of many episodes about the environment, usually with Wispy Woods. So Meta Knight tells her that this is caused by acid rain, which comes from toxic chemicals in the atmosphere. Tiff asks Meta Knight why he didn't warn anyone, and Meta Knight replies that sometimes the best way to learn the lesson is the hard way. That is a very video game Meta Knight line right there. And a did you know about Game Meta Knight is that he attacked Dreamland because he felt everyone was too lazy. That's one of his motivations in the games is he thought everyone was too lazy in Dreamland, so why not attack everybody? And then Kirby stops him, of course. But we'll go over that when that game comes up. So Tiff wants to shut the plant down, but she doesn't have confidence in herself right now because nobody wants to stop. Then Midnight tells Tiff that they aren't making what they say they're making at the factory. And this solidifies her resolve. And Tiff joins the factory! <laughs> At the factory, Escargoon and Waddle Dew aren't sure about her, but she convinces them to let her in. Tuff welcomes her openly and says she'll enjoy the work on the line, and then Tiff immediately gets to work. She says to Tuff that there's something suspicious about this work. The parts they're working on can't possibly be making the appliances they're taking home, so she wants to investigate and see what they're really making. This pulls Tuff's sense of curiosity, so he immediately says he'll investigate first, until the kids jump off the assembly line and go into the chute, and safely get out on the other side. Somehow Kirby doesn't suffer PTS from this while being there, and he's actually leading the investigation because he's also a curious little boy. Eventually they find the real thing they're building, a giant ice dragon robot. Tuff gets angry and says he wants to tear it apart with his own two hands, and he rushes to attack the robot. King Dedede and Escargoon notice from the inside the robot and they laugh. So I know what you're thinking, really Tuff? You're gonna go try to fight a robot with your two hands? Really? But then he does the smartest thing Tuff has ever done up to this point. The smartest thing Tuff has ever done in his entire anime so far. He climbs into a crane and attacks the robot with an eye beam that's attached to the crane. That is really smart. The hit only knocks back the mech, though, and then they hit Tuff's crane with a freeze blast. The crane falls over and Tuff climbs out of there with the chills. Together, the kids run around, trying to get away from the monster. King Didi rampages and damages the plant looking for them, and eventually he breaks through the front and everyone breaks out of their hypnosis when they realize that this is what they were actually building. They then rush out of the factory. Like, we see Tug who's like, Ugh, Diggity, of course. Of course this is what we're making. King Diggity then attacks Kirby with Ice Blast, and Kirby dodges them, and eventually sucks up the ice to become Ice Kirby. Then Med Knight shows up to explain the power, except nope, he's actually not there for it. Which is quite surprising, because Med Knight's always there. It's been eight episodes since Kirby last had the ice ability, which he also got from a real ice dragon. So if I didn't explain it back then, 
The transformation is Kirby feeling really cold, like shivering, and then ice sprouts out of his head, and then he turns blue, and then he gets his headband wrapped around his head for the, like, the crown for the power, and then Kirby uses his ice breath on the ice dragon robot, like he did in episode 20, and it fails just the same. Then Tiff tells Kirby to freeze the furnace instead. Yeah, there's a furnace in the factory, that's where all the f- smoke's coming from. And so Kirby does that. With the superheat inside the furnace and the super cold outside the furnace, the furnace warps and cracks and eventually starts to break. The kids leave and the furnace explodes and engulfs the robot in flames. King Didi and Escargoon run around in the machine and get baked. Eventually the robot explodes and Team King Didi is blasting off again. A giant smoke King Didi forms where the land explode and the Cappies watched everything from outside. Cut back to nature and you see it's all growing back. And Kirby goes and picks a flower, which is really a cute shot. The mayor says be careful since the flowers just grew back, and his wife says to respect nature. Oh, the irony. Professor Curio says that the danger inherent in learning a lesson is that what is readily apparent at the outset becomes obscure as time passes, and what was once clear inexorably fades from memory. Tuff doesn't get it. So Tiff says that what's important is they learn not to mess with nature. Kirby agrees, and then a bee comes out of the flower Kirby picked, and it stings him right in the head. Kirby jumps up in pain, and cries, and gets a big bump on his head, and then we get the star wipe to Kirby, the end. I'm not happy seeing Kirby get hurt, (laughs) but I guess it was to show saying that uh, because Kirby picked a flower, he deserves to get stung, which, still not happy about that message. (laughs) Like, yes, don't mess with nature, but come on, why hurt Kirby? Why hurt the little boy? One last fact to mention is Professor Curio was the only Cappy not to work at the factory. Also, really surprised Midnight never went into the factory to assist at any point. Like, really surprised by that? Like, for the most part, Midnight never helps personally unless it looks like Kirby or the kids are in mortal danger. So it's possible that Midnight was hidden the whole time at the factory, but he totally would have appeared to explain Kirby's powers, so I guess he just didn't bother at all. Midnight was just busy doing something else. Everything Midnight does or doesn't do is to help Kirby grow as a Star Warrior, and since he needs Kirby to ultimately become stronger than him, I just really thought he'd be there to maybe explain the furnace or the power or something, but eh, no. Kirby's definitely shown the potential to be stronger than Midnight, because he defeated Wolfrath back in episode 26, so he's getting there. So that's it for episode 28. It's an enjoyable episode, definitely middle of the pack, but next episode is one of my favorites. I cannot wait for episode 29. It's really, really good. I am so excited to talk about episode 29. And then episode 30 is also pretty good. I just, I can't wait. It's good. I'm hyping it a lot because it is really good. And of course, I'll be working on Kirby's Dreamland uh, 2 soon as well. Uh, expected episode sometime early 2020. And so that right there is the podcast episode. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you enjoyed it. So please share it with your friends so more people can enjoy the podcast. We're going to cover everything there is to do with Kirby. And this podcast is going to be going for a couple of years to come. So... I had fun talking, and I hope you had fun watching and or listening, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. (laughs) 